The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting. It also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others. Like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor, and I'm so glad that you're able to join us today. Uh, so it was about a year ago that lots of us from around the city of Albany gathered in places like this and other places in the city. And we were masked and we were social distanced and, and, and angry and impassioned and, and chanting things like, Black Lives Matter and I Can't Breathe. 
And the chant that would stick in my head and my heart the most was they would chant, no justice, no peace. Uh, oftentimes they would do it as a call and response where uh, someone leading the rally would yell out, no justice, and then the crowd would yell back, no peace. Because there was this thought that we, we, want, we want peace. We want conflict to come to an end. But is it possible for there to be peace if there's not first justice? Because I, I don't know about you, but like I, I, I want peace. I think that all of us want peace. There's kind of that old cliche that if you're running for office or if you're in a beauty pageant and someone asks you, you know, what's your big hope for the world? And you say, well, what I want is I want world peace. And I, I want peace. So look at the news over the last couple weeks and the, the conflict between Palestinians and is Israelites as we look at the racial unrest that still lives in our country and in our city, as we look at the gun violence that's happened in our city over the last couple days and weeks, as we look at the political just division and fighting and the January 6th and the insurrection that happened at the Capitol, as we look at our own homes and the, the conflict and fighting and yelling that seems like it creeps up on a maybe daily basis in your home. As you think about extended families and moms and dads and brothers and sisters who, I mean, they used to get along and they used to all be together at the Thanksgiving dinner, but something happened at some point and there was a conflict and they haven't talked in weeks or months or years. Uh, or maybe as you look at, you know, your romantic relationship or as you look at the friends around you or some division going on on your street or in your neighborhood or you go home and just your kids are fighting or just as you look in your own body and your heart, like, I don't know about you, like, I don't enjoy conflict and tension and I want there to be peace. But is it possible to have peace if there's not also justice? Because uh, I know for me, like, I, I don't enjoy conflict. And so I, I want to do whatever I can to alleviate the conflict and I want it to go away quick. Uh, my temptation is to come in and say, okay, all right, everyone just needs to be quiet. Let's calm down and let's try to move on. You know, let's, let's think happy thoughts. Let's be optimistic. Let's focus on something else. Let's, let's take this subject and let's try to like sweep it under the carpet. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, as part of my job, uh, I was responsible for writing and producing a lot of skits that we would use in our church service. And I remember we did one skit where someone started off and we had a camera on somebody and I said, in my family, we have a great way to, to deal with conflict. We just sweep things under the rug. And then we panned out and we had this family sitting around in a living room set and we had this rug and we had put all kinds of just dirt and dust and all this junk underneath this carpet and created this huge mound. Uh, so much so that for most of the skit, people were like needing to walk around and maneuver and if they're having a conversation, they have to like move their heads because like everyone knew it was there, everyone needed to avoid it, but they were trying to ignore it as best they could. But then at the end of the skit, we had someone trip and they fell and they fell on the mound and all of a sudden, dirt, dirt and dust just went everywhere. And some of you have experienced exactly that. You had this 
big conflict thing going on at work or in your house or in our country and we just all try to ignore it for a little while and put our head in the sand and just try to act like it wasn't really there and maybe it alleviated seemingly conflict but then something happened you know there was that family vacation that big argument and now all of a sudden people are bringing things up that happened a year ago 10 years ago or someone is killed in Minneapolis or while they're jogging or in their apartment and all that unresolved conflict just jumps right back out because there was never really peace. Uh, there's another way that it, it can feel like peace that I think is kind of a, a false peace or, or a faux peace and, and that is a peace that is brought on by like an iron fist of like power dominance or, or violence. Uh, this would have been something that in the Bible would have been very apparent to, to Jesus and the early Christians. Uh, they were, Jesus was alive during the great Roman Empire and it was a time called the Pax Romana. Uh, it was this time in history where for decades uh, there had been all this rebellion and war and conflict going on, but now the Roman government had grown to such power and dominance that they had really stifled now all wars and all rebellions and so there was peace but it was a peace that was maintained by having Roman soldiers going through the streets ensuring that no one was breaking this peace uh, it was a peace that was held uh, by imposing huge taxes on people because if people were poor and if people were hungry then it's much harder for them to rebel and uh, get out of order and, uh, and to cause any kind of conflict. And maybe most of all, it was a peace that was upheld by having regular public executions, mainly crucifixions. And they would do these very publicly. So if anyone was rebelling, if anyone was bringing up things that the government didn't like, then they would execute them and they would leave them for everyone to see to say, this is what happens if anyone breaks the rule. And so there was there was peace but or at least there was lack of conflict but is that really peace and some of you have experienced this before uh, maybe you grew up in a house where like you had a mom or a dad who just ruled with an iron fist and there was very little arguing very little conflict but there was not a lot of peace or maybe you had a work environment where there was a boss like that or maybe you been a part of something where there was a, a, a protest and it was broke up and like for a little while like the, the the tension and the yelling seemed to go away but like nothing was really fixed and is that what peace is uh, there's a activist a Christian activist by the name of Shane Claiborne uh, and he says this in his book of common prayer he says peacemaking peacemaking doesn't mean passivity it is the act of interrupting injustice without mirroring injustice. It is the act of disarming evil without destroying the evildoer. The act of finding a third way that is neither fight nor flight, but the careful, difficult pursuit of reconciliation and justice. It's about a revolution of love that's big enough to set both, to set both the oppressor and the oppressed free and here's why we're talking about all this 
We were in a series that we started a couple weeks ago looking at the Sermon on the Mount, this famous sermon that Jesus did 2,000 years ago. And Jesus starts the sermon out by going through these eight Beatitudes. It's these values that Jesus says, if you want to live a happy life, if you want to live the blessed life, if you want to have a life where you have inner peace and joy, here's the things that you need to do. And today we're looking at the Beatitude that says, Jesus says that blessed, the happy people are peacemakers. And I think it's interesting, Jesus doesn't say that it's just people who have peace. Jesus says that the people that are truly blessed and happy in life, the people that are experiencing the life that God designed us all to live, are people that are going out of their way to make peace happen. These are folks that are not just sweeping things under the carpet and, and avoiding conflict and not talking about it, sticking their head in the sand. And these are not people that are going out of their way just to like yell and put other people down and force to make sure that no one is arguing or having any kind of conflict. This isn't people that are just going to try to get revenge or to get even. This is people that are going through the, the difficult often process of actually going for that third way of making real, lasting justice and peace. So what I want to do this morning is I want to uh, ask you uh, a question and then I want you to listen to some verses that Jesus says in this Sermon on the Mount. And what does this mean for me? What does this mean for you as we look at the conflict in our lives and how we seek to become peacemakers? Uh, so first, the question I want to ask you is, uh, which way do you are you tempted to resolve the conflict in your life? Because I think that all of us have one way or another. Some of us, well, we're drawn to the idea of just sweeping things under the rug. We just want to ignore it, and we just, you know, I just. I don't want to watch negative news stories. I don't want you to bring those things to my attention. I just want to avoid it at all costs and just nah, 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 and just not, not, not really think that there's really difficult things in the world and not engage. And is that something you're tempted in? And others of us, uh, we're tempted to, to rear up and use whatever kind of power and authority we have to try to stop conflict by force if necessary. Uh, as a lot of you know, uh, I listen to a lot of country music, and there's a reoccurring theme in country music of a, hey, like, you mess with me, you better watch out because I'm coming back to get you. Uh, I remember especially 20 years ago, uh, after 9-11, there was a whole bunch, it seemed like, of country music songs that were like, hey, like, you messed with us, you messed with our country, now we're gonna, like, you caused conflict in our world, we're going to resolve it, and we're going to resolve it by getting you and getting even. And the way in which we're going to have peace is by... Hey, how's it going? Yeah, yeah. How's it going, man? Yeah. Good. Hey, what's up, man? Yeah, I'm recording my sermon for this Sunday. Wow. Let me step away. No, no, you're good. No, no, no. We... Are we all good for? Yeah, we're all good. Are we gonna do it here? Or are we gonna do it? So it'll be over there. We got confirmation that we're using this space. Now, this will be for parking for the festival. Oh, okay. Um, and then we're closing the movie South will Florida. actually be.
which one of those two are you tempted to go towards? Uh, are you tempted to sweep things under the carpet? Or are you tempted to, to power up and try to like take control of whatever conflict is happening in your office, in our country, in your home by just dominating? And are you open to having a new way of peace? Uh, so then here's what I want you to do next. Uh, real quick, I want you to think about, or you can write down if you want, well, what is some conflict that you are experiencing right now in your world? Uh, what are some places where you're not feeling peace? Uh, what are some things that just feel broken? Maybe it's something you've been sweeping under the carpet. Maybe it's something that you've been trying to control with whatever power you have. But what is a conflict in your marriage, uh, with your partner, with your kids, with your mom, with your dad, with someone at work? Um, maybe it's a racial tension. Uh, maybe it's just something you, you have a disagreement with someone politically. Uh, maybe it's an argument, conflict that you've been having on Facebook. What is a conflict in your world? And what would it look like for you to embrace the way of Jesus? Uh, so I want to read a couple different uh, passages that are a part of this sermon that Jesus did because this is so much of what Jesus talked about in this famous sermon. And as you listen to these words of Jesus, what would it look like for you to put these words into practice in your life as you look to become a peacemaker? Uh, so here's where we're going to uh, start and a little later on in Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and therefore remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your settlement. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain onto the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite? First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And as I read those and as I read others, 
peace and forgiveness and living this way of love is difficult. And there's almost no way to have justice and peace that doesn't like cost. That doesn't cost me looking into my own life to see what is really going on with myself and, and how I'm maybe a part of this problem in maybe even a really big way. That doesn't take me swallowing some of my pride. That doesn't take me being the one going to someone else to, to forgive and to acknowledge. A peace is costly. And we remember that every week when we celebrate communion. Because the whole idea of communion is that there was conflict between us and God because of the sin in our lives. And Jesus wasn't content just to sweep it under the carpet. And luckily he wasn't content just to power up and just to like strike us down in the midst of our sin. But he looked for a third way, which meant sacrifice and forgiveness and being involved in our lives. And we celebrate that and we celebrate communion. So let's together take the bread. And let's together take the juice. Now let's pray. Uh, Jesus, help us to become peacemakers like you. To follow into your footsteps. In his name we pray. Amen. Uh, one last very important thing. Jesus says in this beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers. That's who's going to be happy. And then he gives them a promise because they will be called the children of God. Uh, and the idea behind that is that like we will be like the hands and feet of God. That we will be like the ambassadors of God. That we are the ones who are like doing God's bidding. Uh, I think that's very well described in, in a letter called uh, 2 Corinthians that a guy named Paul wrote. And Paul talks about, one, what, what Jesus and God have been doing, are doing, and then what our role is. He says all of this, all this forgiving and sacrificing and making peace uh, between us and God, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. If you want, like, this is what God is doing today. He is working to make peace. He wants to see justice and peace. And the way he wants to do it is through us. The way that God wants to bring peace to your house is through you. Through you being a peacemaker. Through you being his ambassador, his child. The way that he wants to make peace in our city. The way that he wants to make peace in our world is through a group of people saying we are not going to be people that are just going to ignore issues and sweep things under the rug. And we are not going to just be people that are looking for revenge and retaliation and just powering up. 
We're gonna be a group of people who are gonna engage. We are gonna sacrifice. We are gonna forgive. We are gonna look into our own selves to see where we are a part of the problem. And we are gonna help be peacemakers on this earth. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us for church today. We are so glad that you came. We hope you found it helpful to join in on the chat, uh, focus on God, and spend time learning together. We believe that church is not just a building, and it's certainly not just a Sunday thing. We want to become more like Jesus every day. And there are a couple things that we can do to help us grow in that journey with Jesus. One being our next steps email. If you are already on our email list, you'll be receiving that shortly. If not, um, it will be posted on the Facebook page in just a little bit. This email has steps um, for questions to ask yourself and others, as well as prayers, prayers throughout the week, and activities. Um, it's a great tool to continue that journey of what we've already been talking about this week. Another thing that you can do, our leaders would love to know how we can help you take whatever next step you're ready for. Um, you can fill out the connect card, which is at the top of the screen at any time, and let us know any questions, prayer requests, anything we can help you with. We would love to um, come alongside you in that. Um, also, like I said, church is not just a building. It's a community of people, and we want to be here for each other. So if anything come up, comes up in your week, please let us know. Do not hesitate to connect with us. We would love to hear from you, pray with you, and help in whatever way we can. So we hope to see you next week. Join us at 1030 for our service. Um, if you want to get on a little bit earlier at 1010, we'll have a chat going with some fun questions to get to know each other. And we hope to see you there. Have a great week.